everyone. Welcome to the Lifestyles Medicine Podcast. Today we're going to be discussing one of the hottest topics in medicine, the gut, and in particular, the gut microbiome. And to discuss this topic, we have today Dr. Pekka Matinen. Dr. Matinen has a PhD from McGill University, and he did his postdoctoral fellowship at the Hospital for Sick Children, otherwise known as Sick Kids Hospital here in Toronto, and with Vito Intervac in Saskatoon. He currently serves as professor and researcher at Berman University in Alberta, Canada. Dr. Matinen, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So, you know, to just get us started, uh, could you explain to our listeners what is the gut microbiome? Because many people might not exactly know what that's referring to. So what is the gut microbiome? So the gut microbiome is really basically the the microbiota that lives in and on us. Um, and the vast majority of these bugs, if you will, they're not just bacteria. They're bacteria, viruses, mm-hmm. um, fungi, a variety of different types of um, organisms that live in and on you. And uh, it turns out that they're very uh, impactful. The vast majority actually live in your colon. So that's the main place for them. But uh, those microbiota are uh, definitely involved in our health. Now, you said that they're very impactful. Uh, I mean, when you're young, you're always told, or we get the sense that, you know, bacteria and fungi and virus, these are really bad for you. But you're mm-hmm. saying that these have an impact. Is it a positive impact, negative impact? And how important really are these guys? Well, uh, to give you a little perspective, I think um, uh, the numbers have changed slightly, but uh, the, the bacteria... Um, that live in and on us outnumber our own cells by a factor of approximately 10 to 1. I would say it's closer to probably about 4 to 1. Wow. Um, So, yeah, there's a lot of them. That's the first thing. Uh, The genetic potential is probably more like 100-fold more genes um, represented by those bacteria than our own. So it's it's important that we pay attention to to who these are, and we're, we're starting to do that more. Their impacts on our health, uh, certainly the ones in the colon are really important uh, for digesting or processing some of the foods that come into our gut and are passing through it. Um, So it's turning out that especially early on in life, depending on how we're born, depending on the things we're exposed to early on in life, it changes our microbiome and that seems to have dramatic effects also later in life, um, turns out. Um, And we've done a lot of studies with germ-free mice or mice that lack a microbiome Mm -hmm. and they don't have proper development they just actually don't even develop properly their gut doesn't develop properly their brain doesn't develop properly so there's a lot of things impacted by these microbiomes so you're saying that uh, there's a lacking these bacteria and viruses and these this uh, microbiota that that it can lead to lack of brain development yes actually there's um there's pretty clear evidence Um, that, for example, um, BDNF, which is called bone, um, uh, brain-derived neurotropic factor, um, it is greatly enhanced by um, the production, uh, is enhanced by these bacteria present in your gut. And if they're not there, then you just don't get that BDNF elevated level. I mean, the level might be uh, slow, but it's just not going to be elevated. So they're they're stimulating something. Uh, Same goes for the gut. Um, if you look at the epithelium, you look at the immune system and how it develops in relation to, um, to, the, to the way that the uh, sort of the morphology of the gut is, um, even just on a gross morphological level, the gut does not look the same mm-hmm. in a germ-free mouse. So it's really critical that those bacteria are there. So there's good bacteria, bad bacteria. What makes it 
good, what makes these bad? Can you explain the mechanism behind that? So that's a really interesting question. Um, I think the main thing that's been quite clearly demonstrated is that certain bacteria, which are primarily promoted by fiber in your diet, they help to promote a very strong intestinal epithelial barrier. Mm -hmm. So what happens is in your gut, you have mucus along the surface uh, of the epithelium. And that mucus layer is kind of like your first layer of defense. It helps to capture all the bad bugs that might come and get themselves in between the epithelial cells. It's only a single layer of cells that's kind of a barrier between you and your and this and this uh, outside environment about 900 square feet of interaction space mm. so it's need, it needs that barrier needs to be well maintained and turns out human milk oligosaccharides help benefit we showed in some studies are very important for uh, maintaining and strengthening that barrier um, so fibers work many in many ways the same way uh, we found that fibers not only promote the good bacteria, they also promote the barrier function independent of bacteria, mm. which was quite an in interesting uh, result. The other thing is the bad bacteria, what seems to happen with them is mucus uh, levels seem to decrease for some reason. And that's um, not good, right? Not good, okay. right? Because now your barrier is not as big. It's kind of right, like right. thinning the wall. Right, right. So basically like your castle is now just a thin little paper castle rather than a brick castle right? Right, right so now the walls are thin so the it's easy for your bacteria to penetrate those walls get in between the cells and then we have what what many have called the leaky gut syndrome right, right. where you now have entering of of certain things like lipopolysaccharide from e coli these are these are bacterial antigens like gram-negative cell walls it'll come in and they'll incite inflammation right, so you right. start getting more inflammation systemically and that causes obviously other issues as well so you know it can lead to this whole idea of metabolic inflammation and weight right. gain so i always uh say that if you promote the good bacteria what ends up happening is you're building a bigger barrier you're creating uh more resilience so that if you are hit because many of us are hit with uh, some kind of pathogen, maybe we ex were exposed to a friend who had diarrhea or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, those things will will not as easily um, penetrate and we'll be able to get through that better. Are there links between the gut microbiota and our immune system? For sure. So, I mean, that's where I think, uh, you know, you mentioned early on, you mentioned that there's, you know, are there good bugs? Are there bad bugs? Yes. But turns out we need bacteria to help our immune system to develop properly. Part of that is developing tolerance, so being able to tolerate things that are okay for us, um, tolerating the bugs that are not bad for us, but also um, obviously some bacteria which are not so good, they can enhance inflammation. Oh, they wow. can turn things on that shouldn't be turned on. Mm -hmm. And that's been an issue in, in chronic inflammatory diseases, for example. Oh, wow. So, and let's go back to a comment that you made about how the way that we're born uh, affects the gut microbiome. Can you explain more of that? Yeah. So there, it turns out that there are people who um, have been, I would say, born by C-section. Right. Okay. Uh, and their microbiota that uh, inhabits their gut is initially actually much more similar to what would be found on the skin of their mother. So mm -hmm. where that where they first come out, uh, whereas uh, a, a baby born through a normal vaginal birth 
um, this baby will have a very different microbiota. How that plays out uh, to affect our health, there are some indications, they may be correlations, not necessarily causative, but certainly quite clear mm -hmm. that um, infants that are born through um, uh, vaginal births um, have less likelihood of having, for example, um, allergies later in life, things like this, asthma and so forth. So there's, there's definitely some indication that it's important that you get the right microbes uh, even when you're born. Right, right. Well, that's fascinating how uh, the way that you're even born can affect a uh, risk for allergies and other immune conditions later on. So clearly a healthy gut microbiome is really important. So what's one of the most important ways to nurture a healthy gut microbiome? Or is there any way that we, what, can we do anything about uh, the state of our gut? Well, I think, you know, the best way to think of this is, you know, the, when you start out as a baby, uh, your mom's milk contains a lot of really good things in it. Um, and, and, you know, many have said that the mother's milk is, is sort of the gold standard of nutrition, if you right, will. Right. Uh, mother's milk doesn't just contain, you know, fats and lactose and things like that. It also contains quite a high number of what we call human milk oligosaccharides. Okay. Now, these are basically fibers. Fibers, <laughs> and, okay. And that sounds weird to think that there's fiber in milk. Mm -hmm. uh, but in human milk, there are these sugars that are not easily digested by you, but it turns out they're actually food for the bacteria. Mm -hmm. um, and that food actually promotes good bacteria in your gut. Now, when you stop eating your mother's milk, when, you, when you're weaned, uh, it's important that you maintain uh, a diet that continues to support those good bacteria, mm -hmm. bifidobacteria, lactobacilli, um, these types of bacteria, what helps them uh, or what promotes those bacteria? Well, it turns out fiber, right. <laughs> not, not surprisingly. Mm -hmm. um, eating foods high in certain fibers, especially soluble fibers, um, and even the insoluble fibers too, but especially the, the soluble fibers, getting plenty of that in your diet can really support those good bacteria. And you get uh, fiber from plant foods, right? Pretty much, yes. Um, I mean, the only other way is if you've, if you've uh, fortified another type of food with fiber. You don't see a lot of fortified meats with fiber, though. <laughs> um, pretty much, meats are pretty much fiber-free. So um, your, it's your fruits and veggies, berries in particular, um, a, a lot of, but the fruits in general have really high fiber levels. And then, of course, the legumes, the, the beans in particular, um, those types of foods really high in good fibers. And science is demonstrating this, that when you feed uh, fiber, that it helps nurture good bacteria? Yeah, so um, it's pretty clear that even within just a four-day period, three to four-day period, and this was published not too long ago, I guess, in Nature, um, they've shown that within a three to four-day period, changing from an animal-based to a plant-based diet or the other way around dramatically impacts and shifts the gut microbiota. Oh, wow. So just three to four days. Yeah, it can happen very fast. Right. Well, that's very interesting because I've had, I've had people ask me how quickly the microbiome can shift. So that's very interesting. Hmm. Uh, how about sugar? Good or bad? Well, I mean, sugar can be a food for bacteria, but sugar is kind of more of a universal food for just about any bacteria. So, I mean, I wouldn't say that it's good because unfortunately it's not going to be selective for the good ones. So, uh, and of course, sugar for you uh, is going to be largely absorbed and you're, you're going to have spikes in blood sugar. Um, its metabolic effects on you are already known to not be so good, but its effects on the gut bugs, I, I, to be honest, I'm not 
totally clear on all of the, uh, you know, having a high sugar diet, maybe somebody needs to do that study, um, but certainly uh, it would affect that gut microbiota, probably the more rapidly growing um, bacteria that can respond to sugar the best would be enhanced by that sugar. How about fruit? Fruit well, the same as sugar? or No, fruit's very different. Why? Because it contains so much of the fiber. Right. Um, yeah, and fiber actually, in these, these fiber foods, they promote the good bacteria. And not only that, they seem to help promote uh, that feeling of not being too hungry. Right, right. So, you know, overeating is often the case of, you know, not still feeling hungry, even though you've eaten too much calories. And, um, and there's this promotion, um, actually hormonally even, by the bacteria to prevent you from feeling hungry all the time and putting weight on. Well, that's fascinating. Then let's, uh, let's go through um, some of the uh, latest controversy when it's come to gut health, maybe get your perspective, kind of rapid fire style. So first, keto diet, because, uh, you know, both sides, so there's plant-based spectrum, but then there's also the keto spectrum, and both of them talk about gut health. Gut health is like the hottest topic right now, and then everyone's promoting their version of their diet that they think is healthy. So what are your thoughts on mm-hmm. keto? Well, you know, the keto diet um, has a lot of good about it doesn't have super high sugar amounts, right? That's very metabolically beneficial, um, pretty much cuts out the sugar. One of the possible issues with the keto diet is people could be taking in too many animal proteins. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is pretty clear that these animal proteins promote the growth of enterobacteria, for example, which are a type of bacteria that grow in the gut and have been correlated with a number of inflammatory intestinal diseases. Mm-hmm. So even though you may be, you know, well modulating your blood sugar levels um, because you're taking in more fats and sugars and less, I mean, more fats and complex carbs. Well, not even complex carbs. I would say more fats and what else? Protein, right? right, right. <laughs> Primarily protein and fat is in the keto diet, right? As far as I understand, uh-huh. um, then you're really trying to prevent, you know, these spikes in sugar. Well, unfortunately, you might be feeding some of the bad bugs. It's pretty clear from the data that plant fibers feed the good bugs, animal proteins feed the bad ones Mm. um, in general. Uh, So how do we reconcile that? Well, maybe it's better to shift away from that high animal protein content, maybe shift to more of a plant source that also has the beneficial fiber in it. Right, right. That's very interesting. So you're saying animal protein, high amounts is not that good. Right. That's Not where, for your that's gut micro, the, microbiota, in my opinion. Some right. others might might have different opinions, but uh, it's it's pretty clear from the types of bacteria that are promoted by that that it's most certainly not a good thing. Okay. How about uh, probiotics? Useful? Not useful? So it really depends on which ones. Um, there's there have been a lot of studies on probiotics. Um, some showing some benefit, some showing no benefit at all. Uh, depending on what they're used for. The thing about probiotics is they're kind of, you know, it's basically you're giving the organism uh, and hoping that it'll last in you long enough to have a beneficial effect. Um, My attitude has always been, why not feed the good bugs and then have them grow inside of you on a continuous basis Mm -hmm. rather than try to uh, give yourself the bacteria straight and then hope that they'll last long enough to give you a beneficial effect. Usually, one of the biggest caveats with probiotics is that they, they're transient. So right. They pass through you quite quickly. Right, right. So then uh, how do you, uh, so how about prebiotics? Would those be better then? Right. So yeah, that's kind of what I was alluding to, that I think prebiotics, which would be 
the foods that the bacteria eat and promote their, and the, the, the items that promote their growth, those are definitely uh, what you want. And, and prebiotics, remember, as I said, the plant fibers can be very beneficial. Animal protein may not be. It might be a prebiotic in a sense, even though the prebiotics are actually really, by definition, non-digestible oligosaccharides, so basically fibers that um, short-chain fructooligosaccharides or uh, galacto-oligosaccharides, these are some well-known inulin, well-known um, prebiotics. Those types of prebiotics are ones that will promote the good bacteria and they'll continue to do that if you continue to eat them. So then you can maintain a good population. It's just like feeding your, feeding, uh, feeding your microbial self, if you will, maintaining them, helping them grow and be happy. And it's really good for you too, actually. Fiber is an amazing... Mm -hmm. uh, benefit in other areas makes you feel full um, doesn't provide huge amounts of calories which helps you maintain that um, waistline right 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 how about uh, uh, probiotics for after antibiotics hmm so I mean that's a very interesting question I've had even pharmacists say you know if you feel like it you should take this probiotic if you're worried that you're wiping out bacteria that are good for you through use of this uh, antibiotic now, I think that there is a bit of uh, controversy there. Um, some would argue that why give an antibiotic and a probiotic at the same time, right? It mm -hmm. seems a little ridiculous. But at the same time, you really want to try to try to put your best foot forward for repopulating your gut mm -hmm. um, with good bacteria. And some of those could be found in good quality probiotics that have been clinically shown to work well. Be careful when you're looking at the probiotic industry is quite a huge, mm. a lot of different types, a lot of different ones out there that have not been clinically shown to, to work. So talk to your doctor or your pharmacist and they can recommend a better right. one. Right. Any so, particular strains that seem to be very beneficial? Um, well, there's, there. for example, um, there's one called Lactobacillus rhamnosus um, GG or um, there, there are several that have been well. BioGaia, for example, I'm not by any way, means uh, promoting them <laughs> personally, but they have done more clinical trials on some of their their strains, and they've shown that these are these are in clinic um, beneficial. So, you know, I, again, though, what I would argue is uh, don't rely on a probiotic. Try to when when you're getting an antibiotic regimen, keep eating the good high fiber foods. Um, then when those antibiotics have worn off, you're going to be able to support the growth of the good bacteria right away. Right, right. So thanks to Dr. Martin for taking us through that. Is there any final words that you want to kind of share with the listeners? Because um, right now, gut health is so important. Uh, and But maybe uh, as lay people, we don't fully appreciate how important the gut is. Mm -hmm. But maybe you as a researcher, you can really, you're directly doing the research, so maybe you have a greater appreciation. So what, what would you say to our listeners who are like, okay, yeah, I learned plant-based eating is good, but you know how really how important is this really? Mm. So I think I would I would give you just a few take-home messages. Um, first, being that you know feed the good bacteria. So if there's any way you can increase the fiber in your diet, um, especially the soluble fiber, do that. Um, it's gonna you're gonna reap the benefits of that. There's really no detrimental thing. Do it gradually, though. I'll be honest with you. Don't go now that you've heard me say this. Don't run and you know buy buckets of inulin and stick it in all your food. You should and or eat like you know um, entirely meals full of beans, right? Because then you'll have other issues. Right, right. Um, so you need to be gradual with this, but start incorporating more fiber foods, fruits, vegetables, berries in particular 
really great tasting too. Um, that's a great way. So feed your, feed your um, good bacteria. The other thing is what happens is, and this, I'll throw this at you just to give you an, an additional reason why I think you should continue to do this. Mm -hmm. I didn't even touch on this today, but really the main thing is when you're eating these fibers and you're feeding your back, those good bacteria, they're actually making what's, what's called short chain fatty acids out of the fibers. Right. Those short chain fatty acids will actually feed your colonocytes. Right, right. And they shift your colonocytes to a form of metabolism that helps prevent cancer. Oh, so if you're trying to avoid colon cancer, you know, we've all, we've, for years we've known that fiber is beneficial and helps us prevent colon cancer and right. a vegetarian diet is good to right. prevent colon cancer. But it turns out those short chain fatty acids actually seem to be one of those mechanisms involved in this protective effect. They help keep your colonocytes in a place where they will not even engage in this type of metabolism that you commonly see in cancer the Warburg effect, if you want to know more detail about it. So um, that's that's the other thing. So really, you know, fiber can also, um, just to give you one last reason, can also directly stimulate barrier function. So right. I mentioned it can work by, uh, by increasing the good bacteria, can also directly stimulate good barrier. So it's really a win-win-win situation. I don't know why you wouldn't add more fiber to your diet. That's amazing. So thank you, Dr. Martin, for taking us through that. So as we've done so many times on this podcast, we promoted plant-based diet and we discuss the various reasons why that is so important. And today we realize that uh, there's another important reason why we want to uh, go more towards a plant-based diet and that's for the gut microbiota. So we want to thank Dr. Martinen uh, for uh, speaking with us today and for researchers like him who are really advancing this very important field of medicine. Uh, we want to encourage everyone here to uh, start investigating, looking into uh, switching more towards a plant-based diet. So thank you everyone for tuning in today. Uh, as usual, please stay tuned for another episode of the Last of Medicine podcast. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts. And remember, until next time, your lifestyle is medicine.